You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. The extended stay hotel segment is hot. It's been that way for some time now and even through the pandemic. These properties cater to guests seeking accommodation similar to an apartment for stays from a week to three months. The sector's strong performance is evidence of why many of the leading hotel companies are scurrying to develop new extended stay offerings for developers to build. The biggest player in the luxury extended stay sector of the hospitality arena is AKA Hotels and Hotel Residences, a division of fourth-generation residential real estate company Corman Communities. The AKA brand currently has 15 extended-stay luxury hotels and hotel residences in urban centers across the U.S. and London, including properties in New York City, Philadelphia, Washington, Los Angeles, and Miami. AKA positions itself as the world's most livable hotel. My guest on the luxury item is Larry Corman, president and CEO of AKA Hotels and Hotel Residences. AKA was concepted in 2004 after Larry and his brother Brad recognized the need for luxury flexible stay residences with hotel services. Welcome to the luxury item, Larry. Thank you, Scott. How you doing? Good. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I think a great place to kick off would be the AKA brand backstory. You know, your family has a long history in real estate dating back, I don't know, four generations. And AKA is a division of Corman Communities. So what inspired you and your brother, Brad, to launch AKA back in 2004? We've always stuck uh, to the knitting of our family brand, which has been uh, first home developers, uh, apartment developers. My dad pioneered the furnished apartment in 1966. He recognized an unmet need between the daily stay of a hotel and the annual lease of an apartment. Uh, We then took it to the next level by creating Corman Suites, the first branded furnished apartments. And then it was really uh, Brad and I wanting to take this to the highest expression, the highest iteration. And uh, we were doing it in Washington, D.C., North Carolina, Georgia. But you wouldn't be recognized as the finest nationally or even globally until you were in New York. We also had global partners like Goldman Sachs, Nations Bank, who viewed real estate in a short term uh, mindset. So we really wanted to have a long-term partner and discovered BlackRock and Calsters, uh, who are more like that luxury uh, cruise liner, finding great management, great locations, and holding them for a long time. My brother had more of a fondness for suburban uh, garden-style apartments. Uh, I had more of a affinity towards hospitality uh, and urban markets. So we created two brands, Av, which are apartments and furnished apartments at the Naples Ultra level, and AK, which I feel really is the highest expression of the hotel residence. And instead of taking an apartment, we were looking at condominiums, working with some of the best designers on planet Earth, like Pierre Lassoni and Ed uh, uh, Asfor and Meyer Davis and Annabelle Seldorf and Michael Gabellini, and then create unique amenities and services to that person staying weekly and monthly. So we really tried to take some of the ideas of what we were doing with the furnished apartment, elevate it for an urban environment. And the best place to start was New York. So what gap in the market did you see for the opportunity to build luxury extended stay residences? It's a great question. When I first went to New York in the late 1990s, I wanted to see who was doing at least a furnished apartment, what we were doing so well in the suburbs. 
And there was no one. You would go to a condo building. There'd have a lockbox. You'd meet a broker there. You'd go into the room and it was uh, a mattress thrown against a plaster wall. And they were really treated as almost like the redheaded cousin coming into that building. The people working there didn't know who they were. Uh, and it really wasn't a, uh, a pleasant, positive experience. So I knew we could enter New York and the fears I had of union or big city or big competition really melted away when I saw what the competition was. And when we opened our first property in New York, which was really seven years later from our first one in Philadelphia as a trial in 1997, 25 years ago, Rittenhouse 222, when we opened up AKA United Nations, uh, it really took the market by storm. And a lot of people were looking for something that assuaged their need for location, for anonymity, for services, for comfort. So I think it was an immediate success. And the next year, we uh, bought one in Central Park, another one in Times Square, and a fourth one in Southern Place. And we were off to the races with uh, Cal Sturz and BlackRock. So in general, so what is the appeal of an extended stay hotel versus a full service hotel? I think you got to see that in the pandemic, but there is a, there's advantages of residences versus a room. And one of the reasons I was the only hotelier not to fight uh, Airbnb and actually call them early on, Chip Conley and Brian, and work with them is that I saw something similar to Apple. Apple uh, was able to develop young minds, young kids uh, with their computers at an early age. And all of a sudden, 10 years went by, 20 years went by and these kids became adults and they they wanted the best and something they were comfortable and apple really sprouted based on that so i see this uh uh idea because in asia and europe people always understood the idea of vacationing not just going one or two days not just staying at a four seasons or a uh marriott but actually staying in a service residence and getting the lay of the land the spirit of a community and i think airbnb did a great job of educating young uh, travelers to these advantages of a residence versus a room. And I think somebody staying longer, a hotel room is almost like a Get Smart sequel where the room uh, walls start caving in, the ceiling starts coming down. So the ability to go into a kitchen or going to a living room, uh, again, really resonated during the pandemic. But I think anybody staying longer, uh, for us early on, it was all the actors and directors and producers coming to New York and staying eight weeks to film a movie and not wanting to move from hotel to hotel. We're not being... Uh, uh, I remember Diane Keaton saying she felt like uh, she was a fish in a China bowl, that uh, people were ogling her. Here she could walk into a private residence. It was almost like the Soho Club in the sense that it was private members. And you had all the hotel services and amenities, but you had that anonymity and had a residence. So I think there were a lot of people who gravitated to a residence over room. And I think extended stay is somewhere in between. There, there's extended stay hotels that are more in the one or two star category. AK is the only one in the five star category. So from a business perspective, I, I would imagine extended stay hotels generate strong cash flow due to you know a lower cost structure. I think what Cal Stores and BlackRock liked about AK, the concept of AK, is that we came from the multifamily world. Uh, my 38 years was primarily in apartment management, even though I always gravitated towards hospitality into my hospitality training with the Trust House Forte in 83. But uh, we brought a mindset that we were going to elevate the revenues through these weekly stays, so high occupancy, lower rates, but much higher rates than an apartment would get, yet we were going to still operate them as if we were operating a condominium apartment with low apartment-like expenses. So we optimized the NOI. So it was a safe investment. And they really can't invest in hotel because it's too risky. So we were sort of that sweeter fruit on the farthest limb for CalSTRS and uh, BlackRock so that 
we really brought a multifamily mindset to hospitality, which was unique at that time. So what kind of guest experiences does AKA offer that sets it apart from, say, another traditional luxury hotel? I think the ethereal essence of AK, again, coming from home builders, apartment developers, furniture suite pioneers, is that we recognize when somebody's leaving their home for an extended period of time, a few weeks, a few months, there's some form of chaos they're going through. Because they're leaving home, they're most likely leaving a family member, they might be moving, they might be uh, starting a new job, they might be going through a medical procedure, they might have a family member going through a medical procedure, they might not be comfortable going to a big city. They might be coming from a suburb to a city. So whatever is taking place, the common thread is there's some form of chaos. So the ethereal essence of AKA is to provide calm. And we do that in several ways. When you first walk in, there's low lighting, soft music, pure essential oils. Each quarter, we have a different synergy blend. And we've done that for 30 years. My wife's an aromatherapist and created those blends early on for us. Uh, there's contemporary minimal architecture, which in and of itself is soothing because there's not a lot going on. Uh, we have few team members working for us, as I mentioned, that multifamily mindset, and we have few residents living with us. There's not a lot of check-in or check-out, so the front desk is more resident service than check-in or check-out, so there's this level of calm. The first floor, the second floor, which are where our amenities are, are all about creating a sense of tranquility. And then the, the residences and suites above are all about creating a sense of, of serenity, a great night's sleep. And we have the best mattresses on planet Earth. We made them with Sealy and uh, uh, Serta. And we have the best linens from Frette and the best robes from Frette. We have comfortable furnishings. So there's just a differentiator in not creating that well, but creating that slow well, so that over time you appreciate uh, some of the anonymity, some of the silence, some of the privacy, but the comfort and also the value. So there are a total of 15 properties currently in the AKA portfolio, and I think 17 by the end of the year, I believe. Yes. So while 17 all these- or 18. 17 or 18. So while all these properties are different and idiosyncratic, what is AKA's signature brand philosophy that ties them all together? I think what I just mentioned, this ethereal essence of calm, each property, we embrace the uh, original integrity of the design vernacular from that architect. And many of the original AKA properties are historic landmarks. So we were very interested. I live in the last home designed by Louis Kahn. Uh, my parents, uh, I grew up there. They got divorced. I got the home. They're still best friends. We do all the family events there, but one of the few kids who didn't mind their parents getting divorced. But it <laughs> opened up a world of architecture uh, at a very young age and an appreciation of the impact that great architecture and design can have. And I met global citizens, global architects from around the world, and I'm very respectful of maintaining the integrity of that. So each property stands on its own. The designers that we choose, such as Annabelle Seldor for Back Bay, which is a 1925 historic police headquarters. Uh, Raphael, who uh, is going to create more of a hip, cool, whimsical vibe at Boston Common on the other side of Boston. Uh, each designer brings a, a connection. Even Michael Gabellini, whose father worked for Knoll and who at one time worked with Gene Cohn, who built Brickle Arch. So that continuity of architecture is very important. We'll breathe new life. We'll reimagine an iconic hotel or uh, an iconic condominium, but we'll do it in such a respectful manner that no one 
8K is similar to the other. Some are ultra minimal contemporary, some are very traditional, but we bring a whimsical design within. Meyer Davis did that at Sutton Place, it's a very traditional neighborhood, but they brought a really cool uh, way of bringing traditional uh, vernacular in a very whimsical contemporary manner. So each property stands on its own. Some have rooms and suites, some have studio suites, some have residences, some have one bedrooms, two bedrooms. So it's not based on a square footage. It's not even based on length of stay. It's really the spiritual essence of who we are, the level of cleanliness, the privacy, the respect for uh, someone being away from home and trying to provide an overall home-like experience. And that's why food and beverage, amenity services are so critical and uh, programming in general. So many people will build something and check boxes, but they don't activate it. They don't program it. They don't make it come alive three-dimensionally. So we put cinemas in all of our properties, but then we curate them. We have a film critic, Max Markowitz, who uh, films these, uh, uh, watches these films, curates them, talks about them. We'll do Zooms where they can talk with the critic. There, there's time they can talk with actual movie makers since so many uh, stay with us. So it's really delivering something in a three-dimensional uh, way because I think people really want experiences. So AK starts out with a way in which the guest or resident is treated, the way in which they feel while they're staying there, the comfort, the value, uh, the, the sense of home. So I think it's much more how you feel than what is actually there. And that's the continuity. Uh, so many people rave about our cleanliness, our anonymity, respect for privacy. All those elements uh, are more important to us than saying everyone has to be a two-week stay in a one-bedroom. So that's secondary to us, the square footage or the length of stay. Uh, although people think that's what AK is about, it's not. It's really the way in which we make an individual feel away from home. So while no hotel escaped unscathed from COVID-19 pandemic, extended stay hotels reported some of the highest occupancies. Despite yeah. the onset of COVID-19 in 2020, aka so like 140% increase in the length of stays compared to 2019, and 2021 was your strongest year. So during the pandemic, when do you realize that the demand for a hybrid hotel residence experience was not just a temporary phenomenon, but a real market shift? It's an awesome question because uh, I think it's it's the aha moment for AKA. When the pandemic first hit, we were having our best January, February ever. And 2019 was a great year, but we were off to an auspicious beginning. And that's hard in New York or Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. to have a great January, February because it's the off season. But we were. We were having our best ever. And then this hit. I haven't taken a day off since this hit, but I was so nervous. And my first thought was, how do I take care of our residents? But first and foremost, how do I take care of our team members? So I was out at every property every day, opening doors, working at the front desk, uh, helping with the cleaning. I even kitted a lot of our uh, team members that the pure essential oils that you would smell when you first walked in got replaced with bleach and Clorox. We were scrubbing and cleaning and probably going overboard with the level of cleanliness to subliminally ensure that uh, perception of safety. But we really were clean. We put tape on each uh, uh, make ready. Uh, we gave it an extra three days to get them properly cleaned and all that. So we really attacked it from a defensive perspective, but at no time did we talk about that. We only talked about the romance of travel. Everyone else in our industry was talking about uh, be careful or here's what we're doing. We just did, and people expected a level of cleanliness. We only talked about 
residence versus rooms, self-sufficient sanctuaries, the romance of travel. Come on out, get out of your house, go do things. And I think uh, uh, a good friend of mine, the chair of CalSTAR said, uh, intentions and energies go hand in hand. And I think there was such positive energy and we were so fortunate to see that while hotels weren't doing well, people were gravitating to AKA. They would take a one bedroom and they'd ask if they could also rent a studio and convert it to an office. So at AKA Central Park, we converted many of our studios into offices and people would come in for a week. They'd go to the Hamptons. They'd come in for a week. They'd stay with us. They'd use the uh, studio as an office. Then people started coming in for a full month and staying there. Then students, the parents put some students at AKA Times Square. Then hospital workers uh, came in. Then uh, the Department of Defense took 55 suites at uh, uh, AK White House, uh, Doha didn't want to go back to uh, the Mideast. They stayed for an extra five months in about 50 uh, suites at AK Beverly Hills. All of a sudden, we were fully occupied. When I would travel to these properties, I'd have to stay at hotels. So when I went to LA, I couldn't stay at AK West Hollywood or AK Beverly Hills. I stayed at the Pendry for two days. I stayed at the Edition <laughs> for two days. And they were like ghost towns. We had a big movie filming that Amsterdam one, and they were in hotels all throughout, everybody within a week moved into AK West Hollywood because they wanted a living room, they wanted a kitchen. And I think the common element was people were staying a little longer, paying a little bit more, but they were assuaging their need for location, luxury, safety, but also having a kitchen where they could cook and clean and a living room where they could work and relax. So I think AK really resonated in the midst of the pandemic. And then we were so fortunate to meet Joe Lubeck, who was a former Philadelphian, uh, was looking to put together a fund uh, with a group in Tel Aviv, a hospitality fund, and recognized that extended stays were doing well. There was only one global five-star extended stay, AK, and we formed a partnership and we tried to raise X amount of dollars and we raised three times that amount and we stopped them at that. They could have done four times that amount. And we've now acquired seven properties. We're working on three others right now in incredible locations. And uh, we've hit the ground running and it's almost like it's our second decade and our second century. So we're a 110 year old company and we're having a new life, a new resurgence in this fifth generation. So how did the sudden rapid growth change your business strategy and investment decisions? Well, we had a, there's only so much bandwidth we had. We were always working on one property per year for AK and one property per year for AV. And that quality over quantity was a a mantra uh, that we didn't want to grow too quick. But we wanted to take advantage of this opportunity that there were hotels that uh, had this ability to be uh, acquired at a low cost basis, we could reimagine it and repurpose it to be almost like a vertical village. So where I think of a condominium as being horizontal with a bedroom, a bathroom, a living room, a kitchen, I think of uh, these hotels and these vertical villages that we're creating with Hotel AKA as being uh, a way in which to sort of reflect a home in the suburbs where I sleep on the second floor. I go downstairs and have breakfast in the kitchen. And once a month, I'll go downstairs and work out. So this idea that you could have a home-like experience in a hotel was novel to the hospitality arena, but certainly was well within uh, what we do and have done 
uh, for generations, create a sense of home. So that's what we've been doing. And we bought seven properties within the first year and a half, and we had to hire a lot of new people. We had to work with some amazing third-party groups that uh, it took time to adjust. I, I would say that with our first two properties, which were major transformations in Alexandria and Nomad, that was a lot for us to handle. And uh, we've gotten a lot better in the second year at doing this. We've found the right project managers. We've found the right architects. We found the right designers. We found the right uh, individuals to project manage it on site. And we were working with some amazing GCs and subs. And we've gotten it down to science. Of course, we were doing all this work while supply chain inflation were hitting. So everything that we originally budgeted in terms of timing and budgets were all off in year one because uh, literally monthly prices were going up. And what used to cost 26 million was costing 32 million. So uh, the good news was it was also taking the 400 hour rate and making it a 500 hour rate. So uh, our ROI projections actually improved a little, even though the original uh, CapEx budgets went uh, higher than what we had thought and the carry cost from the extra time. But it's been an intriguing two-year period coming out of a pandemic, seeing what we're doing uh, resonate so well and having this amazing opportunity because of Electra to take this to this next iteration with Hotel AKA. So how do you decide which markets to expand to? I think you start with where you want to skate to where the puck's going to be. You clearly see there is a movement out of older cities like San Francisco or Chicago, even New York and Philadelphia to some degree, to these. Uh, and, and people talk about, well, crime or taxes. Uh, I think a lot of it is is deeper than that. I think everybody went through a pandemic and it was scary and it was long. And there was this fleeing to Atlantic City, to the Hamptons, to the to to the coastal areas. So I think it wasn't just about fleeing because of crime, violence, taxes, whatever. I think there was this subliminal need to relax and enjoy life and experience life. So I think lifestyle and experience are two luxury terms that have uh, really uh, manifested themselves in the last few years. And there is this movement to Florida and Texas and Arizona. And we've, uh, with our ad brand, have moved to those markets, Tampa, Austin, Phoenix, uh, with uh, AK, we're in West Palm and Brickell, and we're looking at Austin, we're looking at Scottsdale, uh, we're looking at more in LA. So I think there is this uh, desire to move to the coast, but we still first and foremost look at where do global citizens who appreciate design, respect, uh, compassion, understanding, love, peace, all those elements that uh, stand for AKA, I think we still want to be in those markets. So places like Toronto and New York and DC and Miami and LA and London and Paris and Rome, these are markets where people want to experience life. They still want to be in these locations. They may not want to live there, but they want to go there. They want to stay there. And many people may have had homes in New York City and moved to Florida for whatever reason, but they still have family there and they still want to spend two weeks or three months, spend the summer there. So having these self-sufficient sanctuaries in these global markets uh, is still important because people still want to experience uh, all the joy and all the uh, opportunity and all the excitement that these great cities offer. When you go into these markets, do you scout for distressed hotel properties? Uh, and do they have to meet certain criteria to convert to an AKA property? Another great question, because uh, the original intent when we met with Electra was to take advantage of these distressed properties. And Russ, myself, Brad, his whole team, we toured, we've toured over 300 properties. When we were looking at simply distressed properties in New York, 
they were going to cost a mammoth amount. And that's without us even knowing what supply chain inflation was going to do to pricing. And we we started talking to our partners uh, in the Middle East and others who were investing that maybe we redefine distress as opportunity. Because if we only say distress, you'd never go to Miami, you'd never go to some of these great hot markets where there's such great opportunity in the next five to 10 years. So we re called distress opportunity. Where is there an opportunity? We want to be disciplined and not overpaying for a property we love. And trust me, there's a lot of properties that uh, from a design perspective, I want to jump at, but my brother and our partners uh, keep us disciplined. There's other ones where uh, they love the cost basis and there's just no way we can make it either hit in a certain market where there's a ceiling or spend the amount to make it jump to a price that gets the return that our partners are looking for. So I think all of us coming at it from different angles, we've ended up with the seven best properties that achieve all those purposes. But you do want to look at that triangular equation between the acquisition costs, what it's going to cost both in carry costs and CapEx to uh, transform it to a level that generates a certain uh, RevPAR, ADR, and occupancy, because it's that triangular equation that's going to lead to a certain return, and we're looking to be above 18%. So if you only improve at a certain level, you might not get the rate that does that. If you improve it too much, you might get a rate that doesn't get you the return. So it's really a triangle, triangular equation between all those elements. An important aspect of the guest experience are the hotel's dining venues. I know a good amount of the AKA properties have their own branded lounges, restaurants, and cafes. And most of those properties are in urban markets with numerous high-end dining options, all within walking distance. What is the relationship between AKA hotels and their on-site dining concepts? I think more and more food and beverage as a general concept has become equivalent to lifestyle and experiential. So not to have those and not to embrace that and not to take it to the highest iteration would be foolhardy if you want to be considered five stars. So I think what we first did is we recognized the need that we had to have incredible coffee, incredible cocktails available at every property. We also felt that breakfast was a very strong meal, that when you're in these great cities like New York or Philadelphia, there's so many places to go uh, for lunch, so many wonderful places to go for dinner, but to have that great breakfast to start the day. So we really embraced that early on. One of our first partnerships was with Wolfgang Puck at Spago uh, because it was right next to each other. And we were able to assuage some of his needs, which was parking. And uh, he was able to create a backdoor entrance, a Goodfellas entrance, as we call it, provide <laughs> room service to all of our residences and uh, always have some availability for any of the AK guests. Uh, even during COVID on Thursdays, he would come with his family and uh, hunter the barbecues on our third floor turrets and then go down to our Ace Cinema and watch a film with his family. So it's been a great partnership. We uh, also brought Ellen Yin in, who the last two years is up for the James Beard Best Restaurant Tour in the finals each year. And she uh, brought a wonderful uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, cocktail to both our A-bar and our A-kitchen, award-winning, nationally recognized as one of the best. So residents who first come with us and are scared to go out in the city feel very comfortable coming into our lobby and going into the kitchen or going into the bar and having a meal. And maybe in the second week, they feel a little bit more comfortable going to the restaurant house square. So it's been a very nice thing to have. We're able to cater 
Uh, so if we have a movie production staying with us, M. Night Shyamalan does all his films in Philadelphia and always stays at an AKA. And if they're recording early and need a 5 a.m. breakfast, we don't have to wrestle with a restaurant tour uh, across the street. We're able to open our restaurant when they want. Diane Keaton used to always stay with us from Richard Gere and uh, uh, AKA Central Park in Southern Place, and they want yogurt or coffee early, we were able to cater to that uh, and not have uh, some system where the tail was wagging the dog. What we've done now is we've taken it to the next iteration, recognizing the great importance of food and beverage, and we've created our own in-house team called Atelier, aka Food and Drink. We brought Greg Vernick in, who's uh, helped open up restaurants around the world with Jean-Georges. Uh, he and Jean-Georges at the uh, Four Seasons Comcast building in Philadelphia. He's an amazing person. His wife, Julie, is just as equally great. And we brought uh, Danny Cooper in, who ran the Four Seasons Midtown, which has been closed all three years, uh, to oversee and operate that program. David Fields, Evan O'Donnell. We have the entire uh, round team, uh, roundtable team to really uh, identify all the needs three-dimensionally at a place. What water is going in there? Uh, so we have Voss, Sparkling, Voss, Wrigler, or Avod, uh, Avin, a different well-curated potato chips and pretzels and chocolates and other things available when people want it. We're creating uh, unique restaurants that are more like European cafes uh, that are very refined and curated for different properties. So each property has something amazing, but we're still partnering with some of the best food and beverage people on planet Earth, like Bill Chait, uh, who is the number one restaurateur in LA, who created Bestia Republic, operates our restaurant tests at uh, uh, AK West Hollywood with Raphael Francois. They're going to be our food and beverage partners at uh, Hotel AK Alexandria, and we're going to bring a full husband-wife bakery and cook our own bakery goods right there. So it's literally coming hot out of the oven. We're going to have a terrace that acts as a private membership club with uh, martini carts and gelati stands and all that. So we're really taking it to that level. We're working with David Myers, who's a Michelin-starred restaurateur, to reimagine the restaurants, the pool and bar grill, uh, even creating a speak speakeasy at Hotel AK Brickle. So he brings a global perspective operating in Tokyo, Doha, uh, Dubai, LA. So we're really trying to partner with the best of the best when it comes to food and beverage, but really be self-sufficient within the, the frame of our property. I know you were mentioning that a lot of celebrities stay at AKA. So in general, what is the demographic makeup of your guests? I think uh, production companies in general in 2008, when the uh, recession hit, and it's ironic that both the pandemic and recession helped really catapult AK to higher levels. But when the recession hit in New York, which was the epicenter, it was out of vogue to stay at Four Seasons, Ritz-Carlton, the Plaza, which were all the hotels around us. Yet they could sort of skate under the radar by putting AKA in there. And if they were staying for two weeks or three months, uh, the rate was very low. What might have been $9.95 for a daily stay at our suite or the Plaza Suite was $2.95 at the time if you committed to month, $4.95 if you committed to a week. So it really went under the radar, yet it assuaged their need for location, luxury, all those elements they were looking for. But the one group that really came to our rescue early on was the film productions. They said, look, if we could uh, watch the dailies in the comfort of our own residences rather than going down to the lobby, that would be a huge uh, coup for us. And our IT team 
uh, led by Leonard and Bob, were able to do that immediately. And this idea of not having to move them in and out of hotels, not having to worry to have security to protect them from being ogled by other guests at the hotel or the public that would come in and the paparazzi. We didn't let anybody in. We were paparazzi proof. They entered through two uh, large doormen uh, to their private residence. They had a kitchen to cook their own meal if they didn't feel like going out. Uh, they had the ability to go into their living room and relax or work or do a call or watch uh, the dailies that day with a, a few others. We've had uh, that De Niro Pacino movie where they would play cards in Al Pacino's suite every Tuesday. And then when the fight would come in, come on, we'd cater uh, the a cinema and they'd watch the fights in the cinema. So we were able to assuage their need for privacy, yet have an elegant way of living too. So outside of the celebrities, who are your guests? Are they families, business travelers? Uh, I, I would say it's not as much families because none of our amenities really cater to families. They're more adult oriented. They're certainly business uh, leaning with conference, uh, Zoom rooms, podcast booths. It's really geared towards the business traveler, but also that individual looking to get away. And I think the reason you can say that is whoever is going away for business is looking for the leisure aspect also. And whoever is going away on leisure needs to still be doing business. You had these uh, digital nomads who are going away for three months and they're working but relaxing. So uh, I think any hotel, any extended stay hotel, any service residence has to be aware that that individual, whether they're going away for pleasure or business, still needs both and wants both. And if you don't deliver on both in a very respectful, mindful way that resonates, you're not going to appeal to what they're really looking for. So people are more adventurous and interested in feeling like a local when they're, you know, when they're going to these destinations. Do you consider that when you design the interiors of your AKA hotels? I talked with so many people who stay with us and I love uh, in the elevators talking to somebody and so many people are global travelers, global citizens who, uh, I remember as a young kid going to Paris or going to Rome and literally going for a day for a meeting and coming right back. And I was as guilty as any other American for going to Four Seasons or going to Marriott and staying one or two days and not getting to understand the culture or the spirit of a neighborhood. I was in and out. And I remember a lot of our residents staying with us for two weeks to three months who would holiday, uh, thought we were crazy, that we weren't uh, properly relaxing, number one, and we weren't taking advantage of the spirit of a city. So this idea of having these great properties like AK Sutton Place on this tree-lined neighborhood and people staying for two weeks, two months, and walking the streets, cooking a meal, you know, going to a grocery store, bringing food home and cooking a meal, uh, meeting other people, inviting them over for a meal, going to their place for a meal, uh, seeing a show, going shopping on a local street, uh, taking in some of the culture, uh, a concert, a speaking event, just walking the park. This idea that they had time to get to know the city and they were on a residential street, not in a high uh, uh, commercial area where you might get stuck in all those tourist traps. So I think this idea of uh, holiday and residing rather than just uh, staying at a hotel and going for one or two days, it really, uh, Europeans and Asians really taught Americans and Airbnb really taught Americans that there is this advantage of getting a residence in a tree-lined neighborhood and staying longer. And you do see since the pandemic, people paying more, staying longer and wanting to understand where they are and get to know the spirit of the city that they're visiting. So do you think about that from the interior aspect of it? You know, the architectural elements, building materials, color schemes? Absolutely. Uh, rooftop terraces have become very important. A lot of the Mideast 
uh, residents who come do like to smoke. We don't want them smoking in the suites themselves. So having terraces, having rooftop terraces, cigar lounges. Uh, we've uh, been adding a lot of cigar and whiskey bars. We're even creating and curating our own uh, cigar with uh, the former CEO of Davidoff. Joe Lubeck is overseeing that personally. We're getting great humidors and comfortable seating. So we're trying to be respectful. Pet spas, so many people are traveling with their pets today. So having a place where they can walk their dog in safety, well lit at night, beautiful grass, beautiful landscaping, and make it feel like a positive. Having a place where they can bathe their dog or send them to one of our pet spas to get a bathe. We just partnered with a, an awesome person in uh, West Palm who uh, has a beautiful boutique store and she's going to oversee that and having discounted rates for our guests so that they can keep their dogs clean and uh, feel like that's a, 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 another way, a competitive differentiator. But it's also respecting that uh, it helps keep the suite clean. It helps keep uh, the dogs happy and all that works hand in hand. Uh, so I think we're very aware of what our global citizens are looking for, having these podcast booths, having these podcast uh, areas, having these Zoom rooms, having uh, conditioned containers where they could leave some clothing when they go away and come back, having this access, aka private membership, so we can get them into certain clubs or restaurants or venues that they otherwise couldn't, being very respectful of what they're looking for and the experiences they're seeking. So we're starting to see more established brands like Marriott, Hyatt, and Accor are building luxurious extended stay hotels that also deliver the comforts of home or better. How is AKA thinking about the competition from these hospitality giants? Uh, I just had dinner with a friend of mine who's one of our partners, and he had a great comparison to that because I was saying there's a lot of people uh, recognizing that extended stay in and of itself is not only the most profitable form of hospitality, but it's the most desirable form of hospitality today. So everybody is jumping into it. The people from Marriott, Hyatt have all called me to see if AK could be part within their umbrella. And I've really wanted to just keep this on our own. Uh, we love the partners we're working with right now, and we're really excited about the growth. But the comparison he made, I thought was interesting. He was comparing AKA and Corman communities to Las Vegas and comparing what Hyatt and Marriott are doing today to Dubai or, or uh, uh, Macau, Macau, actually, Macau, where they hired the best architects, they hired the best food people, and they quickly assembled something that looked like a Hollywood facade of Vegas. But what's so great about Vegas is there's a DNA, a soul, that there's an evolution over 100 years of what has made a, uh, Las Vegas today, similar to the DNA of AK, where we are today. So it's hard to replicate the depth the depth and breadth of experience to know what those subtleties are, those nuances are, the way in which to program and activate spaces for people who are staying uh, weekly, knowing that uh, each hotel room, which we call studio suite, should have a wet bar where they can make a proper cup of coffee in the morning or a proper cocktail in the evening, having larger closets with closet organizers so they can fit more stuff in there, even though they're traveling with less stuff probably today. But there's nuances to be able to adapt quicker to those needs and respond deeper to those wants and knowing them before maybe even the guest knows it. So I, I, I like that comparison of AKA being like Las Vegas and that evolution to where we are today versus some of these 
bigger brands who sometimes get in their own way and are in that middle level. They can't spend enough to really make it resonate or they have to operate it the way in which they've operated their traditional hotels. They can't help but get into that pattern that they've always had. So I think it'll take time. I think it takes at least a decade for those leaders at those companies to really understand the soul and the spirit of what somebody staying longer is looking for. And the AKA brand seems to be on a roll these days. Last year, you opened an AKA in Miami and just recently a second location in Boston. Uh, Hotel AKA Nomad here in New York City is slated to open imminently. I think it's your fourth property here in New York City. What other locations are coming up this year? So we're going to be opening up a new uh, Hotel AKA Brickle in Miami, because that's going through a metamorphosis with Michael Gabellini right now. That'll be done probably uh, midsummer. Uh, West Palm is going through a transformation with uh, two young uh, designers, Claudia and Svetlana, which is awesome. That's exciting. That'll also be done midsummer. So those two really open anew in their off season. Uh, the restaurants that are being open there also will be in the summer and fall. So when we come back into the high season, it'll be a brand new AK West Palm and Hotel AK Brickle. Uh, and I think the two in Boston will probably go through a slower transformation over the course of the next year to year and a half because we want to be respectful of these properties operating now uh, with the team members during their high season and really do the invasive work during their off season, which is really December, January, February, March, April. So those two will really have the full uh uh, feel of AKA more in early 2024. Uh, Hotel uh, AKA Nomad and Hotel AKA Alexandria were our first two acquisitions with Electra, and both of those are opening up in early and late April, and they're spectacular. They are complete transformations, both with Pierre Lassoni, his first two hotels in North America. Uh, we're doing some global PR on those uh, in Milan mid-April. And I just think they are spectacular. You will have no idea that they were once the Roger William Hotel or a Holiday Inn, which the Four Seasons in Georgetown, ironically, was a Holiday Inn. Also, they have been completely rebuilt. They are skating to where the puck is going. They could not be more different than one another. Uh, the one in Nomad is very much like a Soho a private membership club. Uh, it's got a, a small front entrance. It's got a spectacular uh, wine bar that's being curated by one of the top sommeliers on planet Earth. Uh, she has this top wine bar in New York called Chambers. Uh, Pasolini is doing a beautiful job with that. It, elevated above that is a mezzanine that'll serve a refined, uh, curated European breakfast. The rooms are small, but spectacularly well-designed. So there's going to be a really cool addition to Nomad. And Nomad was always a sleepy area. It's where we always went for our great design with our designers, uh, B&B Italia, Minotti, one of our top restaurateurs, uh, John at Blackbird is Blackburn is right there. Italy's nearby. But now all of a sudden you have the Virgin Hotel, the Ned, the Chelsea, Ritz right. Carlton. So everybody has sort of discovered Nomad as this hidden area, much in the way they did meatpacking. So we're very excited to bring something new and fresh and exciting and skating to where we think this puff needs to be. The person wanting to stay at the Ritz Carlton or Virgin is not the person wanting to stay at Hotel AK. This is really for a global citizen who wants that anonymity, privacy, and a refined, elegant uh, lifestyle experience when they come to New York. Uh, Hotel AK Alexandra is spectacular. It's got a large uh, 
uh, lobby. It's got a large lobby bar. It's got a large cafe with a large kitchen. Uh, it's got a spacious terrace uh, with outdoor fireplaces, water feature, bar. Uh, the rooms are large. They have large wet bars, kitchenettes, uh, areas to sit, desks, large TVs. Uh, we have these Zen suites with a whole Japanese garden in between it. So one, while it's larger and has more to offer, still has the aesthetics of a very small boutique hotel because of Pierre Lassoni. So there are two totally different uh, areas. And I don't think anybody's going to want to stay in DC anymore. I think they're going to assuage their need for uh, this beautiful, elegant, uh, old town living environment and want to stay at Hotel EK Alexandria and then go over to uh, uh, DC for their meetings or whatever they have. But of course we have AK White House, a block from the uh, White House with one and two bedroom residents for those staying longer and having to be in the city. Uh, and we're working on a new location right by GW Hospital uh, called AK Washington's uh, Circle, which will be done pro probably by the end of the year. So I know you have a property in London. What's the appetite like for luxury extended stay hotels in Europe? I think, uh, Service residences really emanated from Europe and Asia, so they always got it. It's been a market that's caught up. The appetite is very high because there's people who really do holiday. There's people who really are digital nomads that want to work and have these experiences. My son spent three months in Florida, three months in West Hollywood, three months in Copenhagen, uh, a few weeks in Paris, uh, and now has settled in Brooklyn. But I think there's a lot of people who want to go to Europe. There's a lot of people in London who are working remotely. And I think the appetite has always been strong. Our property in Marlebone, which is a small property, we're redoing all the furnishings this spring so that we uh, can really resonate anew uh, with a more modern contemporary approach. We thought we wanted to be respectful for the town of Marlebone and go more traditional, but the people staying with us, uh, some actors and actresses, uh, are really wanting uh, a more contemporary style similar to what we offer uh, in North America with AK. So we're we're renovating that, but the rates, the length of stays have all gone up and they've always been more weekly and monthly minded in Europe than America. It, the, the surprise is really seeing the trend that takes place in Europe also now taking place in America. But I think Europe really set the, the standard and the stage. And a lot of the things that we tried there, we brought to America. And now we're taking some of the things we try that are resonating well in America and bringing over to the UK. But we are looking for a lot of uh, uh, more properties in London. I spent a few days, ironically, during the Jubilee, where I was heading one way on Hyde Park to tour a property with uh, uh, that Ian Traeger wanted me to look at. And uh, the rest of the world was going to see Queen Elizabeth uh, wave. So uh, th that's a market that we want to do more in. And we have to be a little bit more aggressive in finding those opportunity ones. We've seen some great properties, uh, but not having that triangular equation that uh, would work for our investment criteria. So for the most part, luxury travel has rebounded back to pre-pandemic levels, despite inflation and other operational changes last year. Travel is still a priority. What luxury travel trends have you been observing that you think will play out this year? The first one was obvious. Everybody was getting out of the big cities and going to the coastal lines, as I mentioned earlier. So people who were in New York were moving out to the Hamptons. People in Philadelphia were moving out to Atlantic City. So you saw this move, uh, this perception of, of if I'm by the salt air or if I'm out away from the city, it's safer. 
Uh, and that trend certainly impacted. And, and you even saw with Airbnb, they once they went public, they didn't want to fight the, uh, the laws that uh, existed for residential versus hotel. Uh, so they didn't want to fight that once they were public. And they really embraced being outside those cities that had those strict laws. So uh, they did very well also because their timing of having gone public and then going to these coastal areas was the same timing that all these Americans were fleeing the inner cities and going to these coastlines. So that was the first trend. The second was a lot of people were lonely, the social aspect, and they got pets. So they were traveling with their pets. And then I think the third trend was this idea of digital nomads where I could stay three months in a hotel or a rental residence and do my work. I could be fine working from here. There's some jobs like what I do where I need to be hand-on, but there's other jobs within our company like revenue management where Heroko has really worked from Palm Springs and does her job beautifully. So I think a lot of uh, employers recognize that if they're not being competitive and allowing some of their team members to work uh, from home or away from the office, uh, then they're not they're not in sync with the rest of the world and they're going to have a tough time keeping uh, great players happy. So I think that trend in travel shouldn't be ignored that these people are, might spend three months here, might spend three months there. And if you don't have the services, amenities and the offering that cater to what they're looking for, you're going to miss that segment. And a lot of these people are growing up that stayed in Airbnb, and that's not enough for them right now. They want something better. They don't. They want the lobby. They want the amenities. They want the communal aspect because that's something that hotel will always have over Airbnb is this idea to bring people together. And it's hard for younger people to meet people. They don't want to just go to a bar or something like that, uh, like we did 30 years ago. Uh, so I think there's another way in which to meet people, and we're so digitally focused that it's hard to meet people. So if you're in a hotel or a service residence, and there's a, a lounge or a cafe. It's a nice way to interact and you still have that 800 square foot suite to go to or that hotel room that's be reimagined re as a studio suite to have solace uh, and thinking time and privacy. But then there's times you want to interact with others. So having a fitness center, having a lounge, having a bar, having a kitchen is a nice way to interact. So I think that's an advantage that as these kids who were staying at Airbnb 10 years ago, as they've grown up and have a little bit more money uh, and want something different out of life, they, I think they're liking the idea of a full building being focused and featuring all those elements as opposed to key hidden in a bush and going over there. So Larry, my final question is the luxury item question. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one luxury item with you, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation or water transportation to get you off that island or anything that requires mobile service. So you can call someone to get you off that island and it's just you, lots of sand, lots of palm trees, miles and miles of ocean. What would that one single luxury item you would like to have with you on that island? All right. Well, when you say lots of palm trees, my first uh, instinct is a hammock to attach to those and relax. But you also said luxury items. So I'm going to take an Airstream. It doesn't need the uh, Ford Bronco in front of it. I'll just take the Airstream. We did a partnership with them uh, as the first mobile suite. Uh, and the Airstream had Frette linens and Avod and AK M&Ms and uh, Frette robes. And that would be very nice, a nice airstream in the middle of a deserted uh, island. I don't know if I'd be any rush to uh, get off. And if I couldn't have the airstream, then I'd go for the nice hammock. Larry Corman, president and CEO of AKA, thank you so much for joining me on The Luxury Item. 
Thanks, you, Scott. I really appreciate it. That's it for this episode of the Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.